Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning, fellow essays. Welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. My name is Malcolm. I'm from uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and I'll be the facilitator for this session. I'm also joined by David. Yes, good. I know David. Okay. The name of this meeting is Laughing in Recovery. Laughing in Recovery. Please take a moment of silence to silence all electronic devices. If you need to use yours during the meeting, please take it outside. Uh, We don't want uh, things to go off while we're here. This meeting is going to be broadcast live, and this meeting is also being recorded. Um, So if you're not sure if your share would be appropriate on the topic, please participate just by listening. The broadcast and recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone. I will be moving in and out here somehow, so this microphone will stay put. You don't put your hands on it. You don't touch it, and um, we will move around up here a little bit. Okay, um, so uh, if you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to just participate by listening. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. Um, let's open this meeting by a mo- with a moment of silence, thinking of those who are still suffering both inside and outside of these rooms, and for those who are incarcerated in prison today as a result of their disease. And after that moment of silence, a brief moment, let's uh, all say the serenity prayer. The serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. (coughs) Okay, I'm going to share for a few minutes here, and then David will share as well. Um, My name is Malcolm. I'm a gratefully covering sexaholic. My sobriety date is January 4th, 2003, which I'm never sufficiently grateful for. Um, (coughs) I attend... uh, as often as I can, the three meetings that we have in Wilmington, Delaware, on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. And I also go to AA meetings in the morning at 7.30. I'm a morning meeting goer. I go to 7 uh, throughout the week so that I learn this program better. The 12-step program is what has kept me sober these 14 years plus but I had 16 years before that. I, my first SA meeting was in February of 1987, somewhere around Valentine's Day on a Saturday afternoon in St. Louis, Missouri. So, uh, you know, I've had a lot of uh, 
back and forth, up and down, over and around, getting my nose bloodied and come back again. The thing that I've always done, though, is come back. I kept coming back. That's the secret for me as far as uh, having any continuous sobriety in this program. See, I'm a little too smart for my own good, and I think I can do it myself without a sponsor and without a group. But then, you know, I'm back doing the same old thing that I was doing before, so that's no good. So I'm going to open this up with a little, uh, well... Uh, directions on how to boil a frog. If you have boiling hot water and you throw a frog in that water, he's going to immediately jump out, you know. Uh, And then, you know, you're not going to have that cooked frog. But if you put a frog in cold water and just turn the heat on just a little bit, he'll adjust. And then you turn it up a little bit more and he will adjust. And you turn it up just a little bit more, and he will adjust. I mean, does that sound like my disease? Yes. Uh, And then you turn it up finally, and he's cooked. I've been cooked several times. Oh, well. Anyway, (laughs) you know, this this program is so wonderful, though. You know, I'm I'm so grateful for this program. Um, I wouldn't be alive if I kept doing what I was doing back in the 80s and even in the 90s. And this book called Alcoholics Anonymous has some really good guidelines, if you haven't read it. I mean, it's a way of living. And on page 132, it says, but we aren't a glum lot. You know, yes, we have a terrible disease. It can take us down. It can cause us to die prematurely. But we don't have to if we follow the instructions. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. I'm one that sits in this AA meeting in the morning and somebody says something, I go, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm laughing at something that, you know, I did or had the idea of doing, you know, or something, you know. And um, uh, we're sure, on page 33 it says, we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. I have an AA sponsor. I ask him in the morning. I see him almost every day. I say, how are you, Bill? And he says, Happy, joyous, and free, you know. He is free. He's got 33 years of continuous sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, And, um, you know, I just have felt like, oh, it's so good to be sober every day. You know, I love sobriety. I didn't like being up and down and over and around. You know, I didn't like coming back knowing that I had acted out yesterday and maybe even this morning, you know, and whatever, you know. Um, living uh, in a sober way, in a sober life, using these basic principles uh, has given me a new life and a new hope and a new freedom, you know. Those promises, not only in the ninth step, but in the tenth step, there are some wonderful promises as well. Throughout the book, actually, of Alcoholics Anonymous, there are promises with each step. And I've experienced them, and uh, I continue to grow. I still have character defects. They love to come and visit, you know. I mean, passive-aggressive is one of my favorites, you know. I seem to love that, and my wife points it out to me often. You know, I have a wife that points things out to me that, uh, you know, I'm still a sexaholic and alcoholic. I have that brain, you know. But anyway, uh, you too can have this life. This happy, joyous, and free life, just keep coming back. Just sit yourself in those meetings. Maybe get a sponsor. 
Maybe get a couple of more phone numbers. You know, maybe your sponsor is busy when you call him. He might be practicing his trumpet like I do, you know, and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, so if you got two or three or four more phone numbers in your phone, guess what? If you call all four of those people and they're all busy, your, your addict will probably be, get up, be tired and not want to bother you anymore for at least five minutes, you know. And the other thing that you, that I've learned from Jess L, I never met Jess L, but I sure did on CDs and uh, cassette tapes. He said you could outpray your luster no matter what. So, if, uh, you know, you can use the God help me, God help me, God help me ten times, God help me, God help me. The serenity prayer, the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, and the eleventh step prayer. I got to read it because I can't keep it all straight. But anyway, you know, uh, you know. It's something I haven't quite got under memory, but um, I do hear it every Sunday, and um, you know I do hear it often other times as well, and I I just need to keep working at it. I, I'll get it eventually. So I got to see what time we got here. I'm going to turn it over to my friend Dave. Thanks. My name's David. I am, that was great. My name's David. I am a sexaholic, and my sobriety date's August 2nd, 1988, for which I can never be sufficiently grateful. Um, we are so uh, blessed by people who have come into SA and then left. Um, uh, I frequently uh, am overt in my blessing, uh, saying, I'm so glad you left, and I hope you'll come back. And then some people, like Gene P., who gave us that expression for which I'm never sufficiently grateful, uh, is remembered with fondness, because <clears throat> without her willingness to go head-to-head -head with Harvey day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, we probably wouldn't uh, exist in Nashville, and at least not as healthy form as we have. Um, so I like re being reminded of her. Um, I, I, so I had no intention of sharing this meeting. I was on my way up to take a nap. And um, and Shem uh, cornered me in the hall and said, uh, we've had a, a, a change of uh, people who can chair the meeting. Would you be willing to chair laughing in recovery? And I said, but Shem, I'm so serious. Uh, and, uh, and then I suddenly remembered um, the last uh, Portland uh, International. I was uh, standing in a doorway, I think at the ballroom, I'm not sure where I was, but anyway, I was talking to one of the guys I sponsor, and in my professional work, from which I'm now gratefully retired, uh, I'm also a therapist, and I was uh, talking to a guy I sponsor and saying something to him, and he said something back, and I just started laughing, and, and the other guy who was the uh, in our program and also a client um, said, you know what, I have to pay him to laugh at me. <laughs> Um, and I, I sort of appreciated that, you know. Um, I, I think one of the, many years ago, uh, there's a science fiction author, Robert Heinlein, uh, wrote this uh, wonderful line that has stuck with me uh, for decades now, and that is, man is the animal that laughs when it hurts too much to cry. And uh, I get, <laughs> excuse me, I get emotional too. Um, and I've often... Uh, thought of that when I'm laughing, um, that it's the same root as pain. It's the same root as um, 
that uh, kind of recognition of who I am and what I've done and what's going on in the situation. And I feel this, those feelings, not only for myself, of course, uh, partly because I'm a sexaholic, partly because I have a self-centered disease, but I also, I feel it for, um, for other people. I just, it, I really hurt um, when uh, people are hurting and people <coughs> are creating, putting themselves in such danger and harming others and putting other people in danger and all of that. And sometimes the best I can do is laugh. You know, and um, that expression, I'm sure most of you have heard it. If you want to make God laugh, just tell him what your plans are. Um, and um, that's turned out to be very, very useful, uh, such as planning to go up and take a nap. And <laughs> someone said, uh, I think it was in a meeting I was uh, chairing yesterday, uh, one of the people who shared. Um, said how important laughter in meetings is, or maybe it was a speech, someone anyway, it doesn't matter, um, how important laughter is in meetings as a recognition that I, who am taking myself very seriously, um, I'll tell you a story about that in just a second, um, and um, that other people th hear it and identify with it, and they indicate they're identifying by laughing. Uh, which means that what I've just shared is such a present to other people. Uh, this, another uh, Friday, I mean, the, my last uh, meeting back in Portland was Sunday night uh, at our men's meeting, and one of the guys had foolishly called me. Oh, by the way, speaking of laughter, uh, don't ever tell your sponsor that he or she has said something that annoys you, because that means it's coming in spades. <laughs> And it, you know, our problems we think are basically of our own making. That's, that's what it is. You just made your own problem. Um, anyway, this guy called me uh, from Salt Lake City. He'd been there on seeing family and, and was having a struggle having gone to meetings there. And, and, uh, and he said, I have this terrible, shameful thing. And the terrible, shameful thing was that he thought he was better than everybody else in the room. And uh, so I said, well... All you have to do is just share it at the next six meetings you go to. <laughs> well, unknown to him, I rarely go to this 5 o'clock Saturday meeting, Sunday meeting. Unknown to him, I showed up at that meeting. And he was appalled to see me, which he made clear. And, uh, and he shared it. And he was so terrified to share it. <coughs> and we did the only appropriate thing. We all laughed. <laughs> Because the next guy who shared said, you know, I'm really sad that you have it so wrong because I am actually a lot more important than you. <laughs> and, and that just became the theme of the rest of the meeting. And that's, and that's the gift that God gives us. When something is so terrifying, so frightening, he will put us with other people who uh, give us the freedom to laugh at ourselves. And... It's the freedom that comes from identifying that we have the same pain. We have a common problem. We have a common solution. That's what we say when we open every meeting with our SA purpose and the AA purpose and that fellowship and any of the others that use that. And it's that common root. That's what anonymity means in practice. We come in as equals with a common problem and a common solution. And mercifully, um, 
you know, we get walked through it, and uh, and we look back, and you probably have all heard this. Um, our problems ahead, the obstacles, look like these giant boulders in the road and path, and we cannot possibly uh, get past it. And we try, and we go this way and that way, and we and suddenly something happens, and we're past this boulder, and we turn around. <coughs> and look back on the path to see what it is we got past. And it's this little tiny pebble sitting there in the path. And that's what happens over and over again. And the laughter is what gives me the freedom to turn around and, and say, well, what do we, that mice pole vaulting over turds or something? I never get it right. Um, anyway, I think that's enough for laughter and recovery from me, and I'm grateful to uh, be here. And, and if I wasn't showing up where God wanted me, I wouldn't be doing the right thing. And I'm grateful to be here now. Thanks. Um, I need to share the uh, um, guidelines here for sharing at this meeting. If you'd like to share, please come up ahead of your turn and make a line over here sitting in the assigned chairs up front. When it's your turn to share, please speak clearly so that everyone can hear you. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions or sexually abused language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and 12 traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please, if someone feels another's getting too inappropriate, explicit, or focusing excessively on the problem rather than on the solution they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Although this is an anonymous meeting, please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. The state of New Jersey has specific regulations that mandate specific behaviors to be reported. Please be mindful of what you share to not break your own or another member's anonymity. And I'm going to move out of here so people can come up. Please do not touch the microphone and speak clearly as you face the audience. Okay. And I do hope people will come up, uh, for one thing, tell some good jokes. And um, also, if, if you're talking, I'll give you a one-minute warning. Hi, my name is Kevin. I'm a sexaholic. And I try to lighten up at least one... It, Every meeting I go to, I try to lighten it up at least once because I think it helps break the tension a little bit. Um, I've always had a habit of when I'm really stressed, either laughing or, or clamming up in terror. And usually I'll laugh and sometimes I'll make jokes, which are inappropriate. Rewind about 30 years ago, where am I? Boot camp. That worked out well. Um, my very first experience of having the biggest, scariest man I've ever seen scream in my face and call me things like, you know, endearing terms like maggot, and uh, and I burst out laughing. Uh, for a skinny kid, I could do a lot of push-ups, I'm telling you. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and that happens a lot. And I have to remind myself that a lot of times when people are saying serious stuff, it's inappropriate to laugh. And I tend to make joke. I, I do tend to make jokes, and I'm careful not to offend the person, the people that are sharing, especially if there's new people in the room. Uh, but sometimes I can't help myself, and I do anyway. It's like laughing in the DI's face, or when he says, "Are you sure you want to be in this man's military?" And I say, "Not entirely." <laughs> it doesn't work out well, but uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I do believe laughter is important in recovery. Uh, I don't believe we need to be glum, joyous, and and bound, and and instead of uh, happy, joyous, and free. And uh, and when somebody at work I know is in a program says, "How are you?" and I say, "Happy, joyous, and free," and people look at us like, "Hey, it's our secret. If you don't get it, we're not explaining it." Okay. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Hi, my name is Angie. I'm a recovering sexaholic. My sobriety date is March 16, 2015, and I am happy, joyous, and free to be here. In fact, it's just funny that I'm here at all. Um, one of the things that I wanted to share was uh, where else can you go and tell people your secrets and your lowest part of your life, and everyone wants your phone number and tell you they love you? <laughs> So I love that, and that's true. I finally found my home. Um, I can't say enough about SA and what it's done for me and the life that I have now that I never thought was possible. It's because of all of you and all my sisters and brothers in this program, and I am so thankful, and I will tell you that I have gratitude, and I am thankful. I never knew what uh, thankfulness was, and I'm thankful that I do know what thankfulness means now. And um, just happy to be in Jersey and happy to see all your faces. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, everybody. I'm Ted. I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. Um, I uh, was on my way up here yesterday uh, on the Jersey Turnpike, um, about 70 miles an hour. And I decided, even though I was going to immerse myself in recovery by coming to this conference, that I would do uh, a noon telephone meeting. And, uh, of course, in telephone meetings, you have to have people to read. But when you're driving at 70 miles an hour, it's not necessarily a good idea to read. And so I said, I'll, they asked for volunteers to read. I said, I'd, I'd be willing to read, except probably not a good idea because I'm driving at 70 miles an hour. And then I told, I can't take credit for this joke, it's something that somebody else said at one of the phone meetings, and it was the same situation where somebody was driving, because sometimes the solution to attending a meeting when you have to drive someplace is to do a t telephone meeting, and um, somebody said, uh, well, I would read, but I can't because I'm driving, and a member said, I don't know why not, it never stopped me from looking at pornography. <laughs> <coughs> I'll tell something a little more subtle, and then I'll shut up. Uh, there's a face-to-face -face meeting I go to where the leader is the same person, and I, I love him. And before the meeting starts, as we're all sort of milling around and talking, when it's time to come to order, he says, All right, everybody, you're ready for the best hour of your whole week. And then a little smile comes to his face. And we all laugh, and there we laugh again because it's really true. It is the best hour of our whole week. This is the best hour. The last hour was the best hour. This is the best weekend. Thanks, all, all of you, for, uh, for being here. Okay. Uh, ben Sexholic. Uh, I don't have a joke, but I was just thinking to keep the um, the laughter going. Maybe uh, uh, we can uh, develop, um, uh, you say, a podcast or somewhere we can list out jokes and uh, that we can log on to and you know have it uh, 
on an ongoing basis. So that's all I had thought that came to mind when I was sitting back there. Thanks, Ben. Uh, come on up. I am uh, also editor of the essay, and we do have a humor section in the back of the uh, essay. It could use some help. So if you want to send us any uh, good humor to put in, and that would at least be a beginning of what Ben was just recommending, which is a great idea. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm a sexaholic. Um, at the risk of um, crosstalk, if you're in front of me on the New Jersey Turnpike and you're only going 70 miles an hour, <laughs> I will run you down because the truck behind me is going 85. Anyway, um, a AA speaker uh, CD that I listened to uh, broke down when he was meeting his sponsor for the first time, and his soon-to-be sponsor said, oh, wonderful, he's destroyed. <laughs> and, when I, and when I came back into program in 2013, uh, I was destroyed. I was totally destroyed, and I started going to meetings. And boy, everyone was laughing, and I said, this, I don't get this. I just do not get this, and but it but it took a while, um, and I I don't think I was willing to be actually be part of the the fellowship. I was still isolating. I was on the outside looking in, and then once I became part of the fellowship and started to share and recognize how much I had in common with everyone, things became very very funny because because my life is insane. I'm an insane person and the things that I, I do. And I fondly remember, I fondly remember many of those, those instances. Uh, one in particular driving here, uh, uh, yesterday. And, um, it's just in, insane behavior, dropping my 13 year old son off at a baseball game, leaving him there unchaperoned, going to a, a strip club to talk to a dancer who, uh, getting advice about this other dancer. I mean, that's just, why did I do that? I hadn't thought about that in uh, in probably about 10 years. So anyway, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim from St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, I'm really glad to be here. Um, I planned originally to get here at 2 o'clock yesterday, and I arrived this morning at uh, 5.30 in the morning. So I learned a new definition of powerlessness that God gave me. Powerlessness is expecting an airline to get you where you want to go at the time you wanted to be there. <laughs> so, um, so God had a few uh, real-life lessons for me last night. Um, I guess and the funny part of it was one, I remember um, the second time they made us deboard an airplane, after we'd uh, been waiting on the tarmac for an hour and a half and the uh, hydraulic pump broke while we were taxing to take off, <laughs> went back to the terminal and I was texting another member here at the meeting and I said, I really need to go to a meeting now. <laughs> I said, do you think there's any other essays stuck in this airport last night? Because I spent 14 hours in Atlanta last night. Uh, was there anybody stuck in Atlanta last night that I could have had a meeting with? No. I guess I was all by myself. So I, t I texted him. And I said, you think the airport would make a public service announcement to have a <laughs> SA meeting? <laughs> there were a lot of frustrated people there last night. And then one of the gate agents um, kind of hit home. She said, I know you're mad. I know you're frustrated. But you need to take that up with God because that's the weather up in New York City that's keeping us all down here because there was flights canceled left and right. and everybody, Nobody could get into Newark yesterday. 
Um, and sometimes I thought that that broken hydraulic pump that we had uh, while we were waiting to take off, I thought, well, I'm glad that didn't break while I was in the air. You know, that, that was probably a blessing in disguise, you know. And, and then I guess the last thing I'll close on, I, I, all I can say, you know, I, I think I learned what, a little bit of what it's like to fly in a third world country last night. But um, all I can say is I'm glad I got here and I'm glad I'm alive. And, you know, missing dinner and missing you guys yesterday wasn't that big a deal because when I... When I was in the customer service line trying to rebook my flight for uh, 2 o'clock in the morning departure, um, I saw people just break down crying because they'd uh, missed a wedding, they'd missed a reunion, you know, things were out of their control. And uh, I just really learned, you know, you've got to put things in God's hands and let him be in control even when you have no power. So, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Kevin. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Kevin. Um, one of the things that I struggle with is fear. I know this is something that many of us struggle with, so I want to tell a story about fear, if I may. Um, there was a cardiologist named Dr. McKenzie. Uh, he's not in the program, so I can use his last name. And he was one of the world's great cardiologist. He traveled around the world speaking on innovations that he had discovered in, in cardiology. And it was a great honor for him to be invited to speak in his hometown. So he came to a conference much like this one, and he was getting ready, uh, had his notes in front of a microphone much like this one. And he dropped his notes, and he bent over to pick them up, and he pressed his buttocks against the microphone. And not sure how to say this delicately, but he <laughs> he released a great burst of flatulence um, directly into the microphone. And as you can imagine, this was very embarrassing. So he immediately left the, the, the building. He left town, and he vowed that he would never return to his hometown for the rest of his life. Um, as he grew older, many years later, his parents were getting up in years, and he really needed to go back to his hometown. So he made uh, reservations under, the, um, under an assumed name of Dr. Smith, and he <laughs> flew into the airport, and the cab driver picked him up at the airport, and the cab driver said, Dr. Smith, have you ever been to our town before? And he said, well, actually, yes, I grew up in, in, in this town. Um, he said, well, have you... I, I haven't been here for a long time. He said, well, why have you not been here for so long? He said, well, something happened to me here. That was, it was very embarrassing, and I've been afraid to come back. And the cab driver said, well, you know, far be it from me to give advice to a man of your stature. But I found that many of the things that we fear are really not that bad, especially through the passage of time. Now, this thing that happened to you, how long ago did it happen? Did it happen a year ago? And the doctor said, no, it, it, was, it was more than a year ago. He said, well, was it 10 years ago? He said, no, it, it was more than 10 years ago. And the cab driver said, well, was it before or after the McKenzie fart? I'll give you one minute. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough act to follow. <clears throat> I am Scott, a sexaholic, and uh, my story, a short story is about um, uh, arrogance and humility, 
And um, the story took place this past winter. I was in uh, St. Thomas spending some time over the winter, and there were no SA meetings there. There were only AA meetings. So I went to AA, and this was a, a lot of old timers, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of recovery. And one of the gentlemen that shared his stories, a guy named John, and he had a, a big construction company up in Boston. And when he was telling his story about when he first came into AA, he um, uh, was suffering from what I have, which is called big shotitis, you know, uh, or don't you know who I am syndrome. And so um, he... Um, he was at the meeting, and somebody came over to him and said, we'd like you to pick up a service role within the fellowship. And he said, service role? Like, what does that mean? And he said, well, we, we need you to take on a responsibility. And he said, I, I, don't, I don't get it. And they said, we want you to be involved in coffee, making the coffee for the meeting. And John said, excuse me, you want me to make coffee for the meeting? And they said, no, we actually want you to be the assistant coffee maker. <laughs> I'm rich. I'm an addict. That's not the McKenzie mic, is it? I just want to know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, laughter. It's a tremendous gift. Uh, it's it's been. I used to actually have a sense of humor, but I lost most of my jokes as a result of recovery. Uh, in fact, my favorite. I can't even tell. It's too dirty to tell to myself. Um, boy, uh, one of them I can say is: How many uh, sex addicts does it take to change a light bulb? Okay, you know this one, right? One, he holds the bulb, the world revolves around him. <laughs> right, you've heard that. Um, you know, I got to say, this is my first conference. I'm really grateful to be here. Uh, and I'm here with, really, the best bunch of guys in the world. Uh, I'm from the Westmont meeting in uh, New Jersey, and uh, we're very blessed to have a lot of sobriety and some really strong characters in there. And quite a few of them are here, uh, including my sponsor, Matt, and, and Tom, and Vic, and Scott, and well, they's a, a great bunch of guys. I got to tell you, very strong in recovery. And in fact, ask them; they'll be the first to tell you. Let's go, go back there and say, uh, you know. But uh, I, I guess uh, since driving seems a motif, I'll try to tell this. Uh, this morning, driving on the way out here, I, I was flabbergasted. This woman in the car next to me was actually doing her nails while she was driving, and I couldn't believe it. I was just—I I was just I flabbergasted. I was so pissed that I went to roll down the mirror, the window, but I had my road map and my cereal and my coffee, and I just couldn't, you know. Thank you. My name is Shim, and I'm a sexaholic, and I love this. This is awesome. You know, I wasn't sure if we should have a meeting where we weren't all being so serious, and uh, thank you, Malcolm. Thank you, David. You guys are awesome. Um, <clears throat> my friend Joe and I were going to meetings together, and we were going to college together, and we went to our first professional conference together, where we were the only two sex addicts in the room that we knew of, and if you were going to participate in the conference, you had to come up and introduce yourself, which we knew how to do, and my friend Joe got up in front of a room this size and said, hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a sexaholic. <laughs> And you can like kind of see him want to change that story as he realized he was not at his essay meeting. And, you know, I grew up and I, 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 I love 
jokes and I love laughing. And there was a time not so long ago where I couldn't joke or laugh if I wanted to. There, I didn't find anything funny with what was going on. And it, and it insulted me if you found anything funny. Uh, about 15 years ago, I was, I, I was using laughter as an escape. And someone who was astute enough but stupid enough to notice but not figure it out once said to me, Shim, how is it that you make everybody laugh but I never see you laugh? And I said to him, how is it that you're so smart and stupid at the same time? <laughs> That's what I said. And, and I was going through major depression at that time. And I came into SA in 2009, and, and people like this guy Rafal right here in the front were laughing at meetings, and it pissed me off. It really did. I can tell you the things he said, because now I find them funny, actually. <laughs> uh, and... Um, and then it got to a point where I actually started staying sober, but sobriety was so important because I was so close to how bad it was that it, I was just too serious. And then it got to a point where I can do what you were reading from the big book, where I could just laugh and have a good time. And I'll tell you one quick story and then I'll stop. You know, the big book says underneath it all, there's a deadly seriousness because we know that this is life or death. But like someone said, stop taking yourself so damn seriously. So I'm driving down the street. I'm actually going to go pray. And there's this synagogue. And right next door to this, and I'm in a really, you know, orthodox area. And there's this girl outside her house next door to the next door to the synagogue dancing on her front lawn. And I'm like, and I'm pretty new into sobriety, and this is triggering me. And, and as I pass, I'm like, take a second look, don't take a second look. And I took the second look, and it was the shadow of a tree on a fence. <laughs> and I called, I called my sponsor, and I said, now what do I do? He said... Pray for the tree. <laughs> we'll be able to handle um, three or four more people. If you can keep it really short, more of you will get to stand. There's the line. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Niall. I'm from Ireland. Um, <laughs> So I'm a bit nervous up here uh, telling you these jokes, but uh, I'll just tell you two jokes anyway, and hopefully you can understand what I'm saying because uh, we have a weird accent over there in Ireland. Um, okay, this guy, he was in his 70s. Uh, he walked into a drugstore. Um, we call them pharmacies in Ireland. And uh, he looked for, for a Viagra tablet, and uh, he asked the, the, the guy in the drugstore, the doctor, he says to him, uh, would you mind to break up the tablet for me? into small little pieces so I can inhale it. And, uh, and, and the guy says to him, but why do you want to inhale it? And he says, uh, listen, man, he says, at my age, sex is all in my head. <laughs> no offense to anyone out there. So if, if there is, he can pray for me because I'm still very sick, but I'm getting well. Um, I've, I've got another joke. We have this comedian in Ireland, and uh, he often said over the years, he asked this question, uh, like, uh, why do they have the windows in, in toilets on planes fogged out like? Because I was a vire when I was uh, younger. I used to look in the, the bathroom window of our house at home to see, could I see, obviously, body parts or whatever. So he often asked, says this joke, like, he says, why is the windows and the planes fogged out? He says, like, at 36,000 feet, who's going to be looking in the window of the plane, like, only the seagulls? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so that's my joke over now. Hi, everybody. I'm Lewis. I'm a sexaholic. Um, so I actually have a resentment to share, not a joke. Um, David reminded me of something with my sponsor. So my sponsor lives an hour away from me. And if I want to meet with him, I have to drive to where he works. And he comes sit in my car, and then we meet, and then I drive home an hour. So one time I drove out there for an hour, and I had all these things written up. And I get in the car, and I sit down, and I start reading them to him. And he pulls out his phone, and as I'm talking to him, he's, like, doing ca calculations on the calculator. And I thought, you know, maybe this is related to me. I don't know. I, I realized at some point that he's just doing his own thing. So I said, Louis, don't be codependent. Don't be codependent. Tell him how you feel. No, don't tell him how you feel. He's your sponsor. Okay, tell him how you feel. Shmuel, now I just want to tell you, I don't want to get resentful, but it really bothers me that, that you're multitasking while I'm talking to you. And then he gives me, like, this look. And I only realized later what this look was. And then we got on with, uh, with our talk. Ever since then, every three phone calls I have with him, I go, Shmuel, da 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 I go, my whole thing. And then I, I go, Shmuel? Shmuel? Sorry, Louis, I was multitasking. <laughs> and he's never used that word before I told him about it. So uh, don't tell your sponsor what bothers you. Hi, my name is Yodan. I'm going to become a sexaholic. I'm too nervous to do this, but it's a program of action for me, and I'm really grateful to come to this meeting. I'm grateful for your share as well for both of you. And yeah, I came up because I need to break the ice from stop being so serious, and that was a really good message for me. Why did a sex addict cross the street? Why not? I'm Kathy. I'm a sexaholic from, from Kentucky. And um, humor has always been a huge part of my life. Uh, fortunately, the program is helping me to build my filters so that I can be more appropriate. Um, <clears throat> and just quickly, I'll say I relate to the person who shared about commenting back to their DI and that not being the best idea. I was previously in a marriage that involved domestic violence, and he would say the most absurd things, and I would laugh until tears were running down my face. Totally inappropriate to the situation, but they were funny to me. Um, then I want to say that my higher power has a sense of humor, and I'll give you an example, and that'll, that's how I'll finish you up, up. I came into recovery. I was on a phone sex line talking to a guy in Canada who was in relapse from his program, and he was also a mental health worker, and he told me I was very sick and that I needed help, and he... <laughs> He gave me an 800 number to connect me with recovery, and that's how I got to meetings. Thank you. The shares have been wonderful, and what a great way to end. Um, the humor is often expressed by people who are being very serious. And uh, in Nashville, there was a guy attending the AA meetings who was well-known for saying uh, two things I'm going to share. This is one. Um, well known for saying, you know, I'm trying to get to a point 
where people cannot tell whether I'm serene or retarded. (laughs) And the other thing is, and I'll only say this much about it, is I have an entire theory of sobriety and recovery based on farts, and if anybody wants to know it, I'll share it. Well, I guess our... uh Time is pretty much up, so I need to read this uh, thing for the last three minutes. In closing, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an essay to yourself. The shares we have heard here were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you have heard about another member to anyone who is not actually here at this meeting at the time that it was shared. Please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. All right, let's close our meeting with the third step prayer. Let's have a moment of silence for the addicts still suffering in and outside these rooms. Third step, God, God, I offer, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, thy power, thy will, thy way of life. Keep coming back. It works when you work it. So work at your worth it. All right. That was great. Good uh, job. Yeah, good job. You too, dude. Ah, Lordy me. Oh. What? Oh. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.